Welcome to the Touching Into Presence podcast. This podcast is for people who are interested in bodywork, empowerment, and somatic-based practices. I am Nikki Olson. I'm Andrew Rosenstock. We are certified rolfers. Collectively, we're trained in various movement and bodywork therapies with an emphasis on somatic awareness and client resilience. Through conversations, our goal is to share and explore mind-body paradigms to offer empowerment possibilities. It was a pleasure to be in conversation with Thomas Walker and Gail Lovett today. Gail and Thomas are longtime body workers, both rolfers and biodynamic cranial sacral therapists. Thomas is on the faculty of the Rolf Institute, and they both teach somatic education through listening hand seminars. Additionally, they are life partners. I was calling in from Dubai, and my internet connection was not great, which brought some static spots as well as me dropping in and out. I apologize for any sound issues from this. Today we talk about their history in rolfing and moving towards a biodynamic approach. What is biodynamics? When to rolf and when to use BCST? Working with the gushy. Adapting touch for adapting times. Sensing the autonomic nervous system, their training programs, Thomas's rolfing benches, and much more. So with that, let's begin our talk. Oh, that must. This is either Andrew or somebody hacking a Zoom call. You both. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Thomas. Hey. Oh, there's Nikki. Oh. Hey. Hey, Nikki. Hey. I may fade in and out as my internet comes in and out. So it is a teeny ca- bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been it's been a while for us. So thank you for letting us (laughs) get back on track. And um, we're grateful to have time with you, especially after such a long correspondence of emails. And uh, thanks for making some some time to chat. I'm excited. I get a little delayed in responding. So I've done years and years of therapy with it. And I still don't. I actually think there's something really nice about being um, less online. Yeah. Save more sanity anyway. <laughs> more ease. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks as well. I'll, I'll say this, and this can kind of be a plug as well. Thanks for the bench. It arrived to Dubai. Oh, how and, long did it take? Uh, a, a while, because uh, the U.S. postal system shipped it from Steamboat to Denver to t- San Francisco to, to Chicago to Cincinnati <laughs> to Philadelphia then to Dubai, and then there's a, uh, no, then to Bahrain, then to Dubai, and then there was a customs where you have to wait a few days for it to clear customs, but oh, it gosh. arrived on, <laughs> on, it arrived on Sunday, and it's been used, and I think it's the first bench in, um, in Dubai, so. Oh, really? Thank I you for I that, sent, yeah. I sent one there some other time. It was a way more expensive than what it cost you, <laughs> for some reason, yeah. Anyway. I'm grateful. Good, glad. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to uh, thank you, Thomas and Gail, for coming on and being part of our podcast. And we're super excited to learn from you and hear about your experience as rolfers and uh, biodynamic cranial sacral practitioners. Or and, and those are the two main modalities I know about y'all. But if there's anything else in you know, and at the first the first guests that we've had that have been together and that are a couple. Okay. So 
Got it. Yeah. We still like each other after a whole year of living together. I know. <laughs> I, I think. Never longer than that. Well, I know, but we were, you know, we're, we're quarantined this year. Yeah, but our, <laughs> our life really isn't that much different because yeah. we work out of our home. Right. Okay. We have, we don't, we're not very, we're not very social. We got, we go to the grocery store and hardware store and the rest <laughs> of the time we're outside. So it's kind of like in a way our life really hasn't changed a lot, honestly. Yeah. Have you been skiing? Did you, did you, are you skiing much this year? Uh, we're backcountry skiing. Um, decided not to use our pass because it, you have to ride a bus to get to the ski area, no matter how you do it, unless somebody takes you. And I don't want to get on the bus with everybody coming from all over the place. So we, we yeah. a year off for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, how has practice been for you in time of COVID? Well, let's see. We were in we were in Switzerland when we had to come home. We were teaching a, a we we're supposed to teach a class in Switzerland. We have a group of students over there. We go twice a year, and um, so we had to come back. We got back on March seventeenth, I think it was St. Patty's Day. Yeah, and, so that's uh, when it's coming. You, you're on the race with COVID to land to the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and for, and we uh, ended up coming back um, later than most people because they mentioned said Friday night. Uh, the country's going to close, close and everybody was trying to get back from the United States. We didn't leave or back to the United States. We didn't leave until Tuesday and uh, walking through the Zurich airport, which is huge. The terminal, we were the only two people in the, <laughs> in the terminal and very, and nobody on the plane. So it worked out perfectly. Yeah, of course it was good. So what was the workshop you were doing? Oh, we're just teaching a, we teach a, uh, uh, our biodynamic cranial series that we teach. Yeah. Um, um, it's called, um, we call it Explorations and Wholeness, Wholeness, Explorations and Wholeness. And it's really an introduction to biodynamics. Um, um, and we, uh, the idea is that, um, well, when we first learned, we first learned as, as Rolfers, and then we, we uh, were interested, um, uh, we met Dr. Jim Jellis, um, and he was uh, practicing in Vermont, and he's one of the the key proponent currently alive that's um, kind of the um, biodynamic grandfather, grandfather or something sure. like that since uh, some of his mentors have, have passed. Um, we knew him in Vermont and he was a, he was a client of mine for a few sessions. We attended some of his lectures and we really um, just listening to him talk about biodynamics and uh, the midline and primary respiration. We both, uh, we both just really felt it in our tissues the first time we heard him talk at the University of Vermont. Um, so uh, we were interested in that, but he doesn't train people that aren't osteopaths or MDs. So um, Michael Shea, who was a rolfer, uh, we got some information from him, a mailer, I guess. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah. And he was teaching what he called fluid, fluid cranial work. And so we signed up for his, uh, similar to you, Andrew, the, uh, his 10 series uh, classes, uh, five days spread out over two years or something, yeah. something like that. Okay. And what we learned um, is that um, it's going from doing like direct um, uh, vectorized. vectorized touch, according to Michael Salvas and vectorized touch to shifting to, to just listening was a big leap. Um, because people were coming into our office say, oh, I have this back pain, help me with it. And we would have a strategy that would involve rolfing. Okay. But jumping to listening to the health 
and trusting that uh, they're going to pay us at the end of the session because we're not doing anything <laughs> was was a challenge, you know. So, well, I have to say that is such a big risk in the sense of where you came from, from rolfing very much in the tissue and your clientele probably is used to that type of touch then to kind of go to the other end of the spectrum where it's not so much in the tissue. Absolutely. And then in rolfing, everybody's like, you know, especially probably, sorry not to date you, but to like back in like, and it's still true even now, but I think hopefully I think that we've maybe the there's been some more sophistication in the understanding that it's not more pain, more gain, that you can right. hang out in a listening way and still get changes. Yeah. But um, I, you won't see that in the the way the curriculum is presented, but there is some movement in that direction outside of the faculty, I believe. <laughs> yeah. May we um just for the sake of our audience that can we just can you give a quick or a brief overview of what is biodynamic? Like, how would you explain that to someone who's never even heard of that and might not even really heard much about cranial sacral? Yeah. Um, biodynamics is, is the study of the forces um, involved in car- incarnation and that influence the genetic expression in the embryo. Okay. And it's a study of those forces and how they, how they are, how they manifest in the embryo and how they are continuous throughout life into, into the adult. And we can, we can interact with, interact or partner with those different kinds of forces and movements, um, which created, which literally created the body according, according to epigenetics. Okay. The fluids move. Um, stimulate the gene, the genes, which then make their expression. So genes don't act, they react is one of the ways to put it. Okay. So that those forces that literally formed the body are still present in the adult. Um, and we, we can experience them as flows, um, different kinds of rhythms um, and pauses. Okay. Pauses are really important. Because pauses are a return to homeostasis where we can kind of regroup in a sense um, from, an, uh, say, an injury or insult, go to a pause, and then we can reorganize back out to our original intention. And, okay. and to add to that, the, uh, within this uh, you know, creation of we humans, that, uh, that what has informed our embryos and our, and our becoming you know, a people on the planet is, and part of how that all stays in balance is that we have this piece called inherent health. It's, it's the, the part of us that, that heals us from being sick and that mends us when we get hurt. And all through our whole life, it is doing its best to, to keep our systems balanced and organized. And so in, Another way to think about biodynamics is that that the wisdom that's in the fluids and the inherent health that that maintains us is what we can partner with if we are willing to not get in the way of that process by thinking we know more than the inherent health of our client's system. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I talk about kind of like my elevator speech. Yeah about yeah. biodynamics. Yeah. 
So um, um, see if I can remember this. Um, fluids carry information. Um, the information comes from the horizon or outside of us. Um, the message is wholeness, and we experience wholeness through rhythms, through the various rhythms, flows, and pauses. Okay, so it's really a way of interacting with wholeness, which then changes and reorganizes the pieces instead of working with the pieces to integrate back into a whole because we already are whole. <laughs> we don't need to be integrated into a whole. We are whole because we're alive. Wholeness <laughs> <laughs> is keeping us alive and the, the function of wholeness with an injury or an illness or a, a, a psychological um, injury or culture is really what's really what's keeping us keeping our form and our function operating as best it can. Okay. So and that's available for us uh, in the adult to partner with that. The only the only and you can't approach. So we're talking about fluids, and we talk we teach a lot about the fluid body um, is a metaphor that the um, that the uh, uh, traditional osteopaths, biodynamic osteopathy, has coined. Uh, Dr. Jellis in particular was um, um, uh, uh, what's the word uh, proponent. Oh, yes, I'll say okay. of the fluid body. Okay, um, and uh, to interact with the fluid body, you can't you can't approach it the same way you would do, say, rolfing. Okay, because I mean, push on fluids. What do they do? <laughs> Woo, they're gone. Yeah, you know, right? give you a little reaction back. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, it requires one to be present. Right. So one of the things we teach is is presence and presence with ourselves. Presence in relationship, like with our client, or here in this relationship, and and presence in the bigger picture, the bigger world, like all the chaos in the world. How can I remain present with all this stuff that can be distracting? Okay, and it's the same thing that happens in a session. Um, when I'm when I'm present, then that expands perceptual possibilities, and then. What happens is things other than anatomy can start to show up. Like, like what? Flows, like flows, like fluids, like Rhythm. a strain. Oh, I feel this strain going all the way up into the neck and I'm at the feet. Um, yeah, um, uh, the, the, the field can show up, okay? Um, because we're, we're to be present, we have to put our rational linear brain in the background which includes our anatomy and all that stuff that we've all learned and I've taught. <laughs> okay. And that can actually get in the way of our perception because we have this focus of our feeling. I'm going to pay attention to this right here, like the psoas, um, but the psoas doesn't exist in isolation from the rest of the anatomy and the whole body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, for any of our listeners that already are listening to this and thinking, wow, this is some wackadoodle, <laughs> I have had the great pleasure of assisting Thomas in a rolfing phase two training. And it is can be frustrating for students who are wanting to learn more of a, a deep in the tissue touch and trying to, you know, create structural changes. But witnessing how he was able to make amazing changes with his clients with such subtle work and with this um, 
impeccable ability to listen, it was amazing to see the structural changes that were able to happen without being so heavy handed. So I am not just the co-host here to listen. I have witnessed, have witnessed it. And it is, I, I sit in the, I've trained in a little bit of um, the up ledger and have been exposed to a great deal of the biodynamics. So I can understand how some people who are maybe new to this type of work and are stumbling upon our podcast thinking like, wow, these people are really far out there. I would just <laughs> beg you to hold in um, open mind, open heart, because this, this is really cool, powerful stuff. And it's, it's fun to be able to explore, especially from a, a Rolfer's point of view, or even in the deep tissue kind of realm that um, it doesn't have to be heavy, that there is, there's yeah. a lot of work that can be done with, with being present and listening and feeling into the, to the, to the subtle fluid, which yeah. and enjoyed. Thomas, Th Thomas, I don't know if you, if you know, actually, cause we've just mentioned this is a podcast. The name of our podcast is actually touching into presence, which so much, so much of, of what you said is, is really aligned with. Yeah. So uh, one thing to bring up is that several years ago, there was research. Finally, there was research done about touch, about, about how to contact the body. And one of the things that came back from that is that there is a tremendous amount of fluid in the, in the body. We all know that 70 some percent, depending on how old you are. Um, and that if you, if you interact with the fluids, you get a broader uh, response to your to your uh, contact with your your client, and if you want to work with fluids, it's necessary to learn how to uh, connect with the fluid body without imposing on it. Mm -hmm. And so the 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 part of the reason that this kind of a more subtle touch is um, profound in, in a lot of ways is that by doing some subtle work in one place because of the fluidity of our systems, that information moves through the fluid mm -hmm. field mm -hmm. and it impacts as many things as is possible. Part of the inherent health of the system is it, we're, we're working with it in this that the information goes through the system and is used wherever it can be used and the priority of who chooses what what is healed in any given mo moment is our client's knowing substance and ability to heal itself so that's part of how the how, how the seeming miracles sometimes happen and so learning how to do more than just, you know, knuckle your way into something or lean heavily into it in hopes it'll give up, you can work with it in a much more generous way. Yeah. So um, um, a lot of the Rolf Institute does this and a lot of other um, modalities or schools talk about wholeness and define it as body, mind, spirit. Okay. So it's a, uh, it ends up being more conceptual. And wholeness actually doesn't have any divisions. So even de describing it as body, mind, spirit doesn't do wholeness 
any justice because you're describing it and you're dividing it into three different aspects. And wholeness doesn't have divisions. Okay, so this, and it's a different way of thinking of wholeness. So, so we have this concept of body, mind, spirit, and the Rolf Institute and everybody said, well, we, we, we keep in mind we're holistic because we consider the body, mind, and the spirit and everything we do. Well, that's different than experiencing wholeness. And when you experience wholeness, then you get that the body is really um, is a seamless whole that doesn't have any divisions. And that sounds really wacko because we've all studied anatomy. We have four anatomy books. We have oh, we have five. I'm five sure five anatomy books. And, you know, we, we look at we're looking at anatomy all the time. Um, and but that's that's a point of view, okay. And if we operate just from that point of view, we're missing we're missing all of the body that's way more than anatomy. <laughs> okay, um, 70 percent water. What that leaves thirty yeah, percent maybe yeah. for other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so it's it's actually profound. I it blows my. I've been doing this for twenty five years biodynamics and it still blows my mind to feel somebody's cranium change shape so dramatically okay i have a client who was ha um, having vertigo and couldn't hear out of her right ear for her whole life she's horrible vertigo three times a week can't keep a job or she's um, misses her work periodically and to put my hands on her head the right side of her head was flat and the left side was was had was roundish like you would expect a cranium right so i go well that's interesting maybe we just need a little more space here as we i've worked with her for three sessions now she hasn't had a vertigo attack in a month and her head is now more normal is feel is proportional on each side how does that happen <laughs> you know it's it's it still just blows my mind even though um i see that often yeah. Can we dance with that a little bit? So, Gail, you offered this um, that great information about a scientific study and how that there is some validity to this work. And, you know, and just from experience of lots of people receiving um, positive treatment and healing things. But um, what, what you kept on saying was the information gets carried and I kept on thinking like okay well in the way you were describing it I just kept on thinking of like this little letter moving down the <laughs> through the fluid body but we know that the nervous system is our our messaging aha uh -huh. maybe not so, maybe right not it. so Again, I, I know I kind of in more of the like the nervous system tells us what to do. Sure. It's our brain to the rest of our body. Of course, that's the messaging center, messaging center. But what else could there be? Yeah. What, what, what's the. Well, um, the primary job of the nervous system is to is to determine if it's safe. OK, now some people will disagree with that, but. If our nervous system, you know, we used to walk around when uh, walk around where we could be lunch instead of have lunch, <laughs> right? Very okay. true. Yeah. So, so it was it's imperative for our nervous system to be able to feel the field. Okay. Be expansive. Can I feel what's behind me? Can I hear? Can I listen? Can I sense 
whatever kinds of senses that um, one needs to be to be able to protect oneself in the when you're when you're when you're the, the, when you are lunch, okay. <laughs> And this is still available to us, okay? So the nervous system is true. It, it gives us information, but it doesn't reorganize the body the way, the way I understand it. You can interact with the nervous system and maybe, um, I don't know, I don't know the, nerve, the nervous system work you've been doing, but from just a fluid or fascial perspective, the nerves are embedded in tubes which are in, in fascia, right? So bringing, bringing coherence and flow and decompression to the fascia is going to do the same thing, thing to the nervous system. And it may not necessarily go the other way based upon what I know and believe. Mm -hmm. So the nervous system is certainly, it's obviously important because of that communication and particularly in integration and beliefs. Okay. Um, but there's another aspect outside of the nervous system the, and the, the brain is tends is linear. Of course, we can make we can we can create metaphors and have images, but when we speak, it's linear. And linearity is not in wholeness. Wholeness does not have linearity. Wholeness has no boundaries. Okay, this is really hard to understand. Can set uh, words because the when we talk about wholeness, you end up talking about metaphors, and metaphors aren't scientific. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Well, the the buzzword these days, I think every like these these concepts that have been around for a long time kind of go through waves in terms of trend. Like, you know, for me in the fitness world, the psoas was like the buzzword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, when we're talking about the nervous system, I think the polyvagal theory is yeah. kind of coming. So when you're talking about you know the nervous system, we like to orient to to safety. Yeah. I think that. Yes, it's still the nervous system, but it's less driven from, I have a thought, I'm going to produce this action, that there's this whole other behavior of the nervous system that doesn't often get spoken about. And it is, you know, as you're speaking about this, thinking a little bit of like, and, and especially talking again about the anatomy of the nervous system, that although it we it's an electrical system in our our body, it's very fluid. There are all these other possibilities. It's not this hardwired system that right. gets presented in the anatomy books. Great that we have them because it, you know, gives us a point of reference, but there's way more to it. And, um, and again, I, I have only dabbled in the, the cranial sacral world, but again, in my, brain's kind of going through its Rolodex of what do I know? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I'm thinking of like up ledgers. So my first um, feel, well, no, my first exposure to cranial sacral was with you, Thomas, in my phase two, when mm -hmm. you and Ray McCall were teaching mm -hmm. and, you know, giving all the students a little dose of what this, this type of work is. So when I went to, and again, not knowing really the difference, you know, Upledger was offering course. I was like, oh, great. I've learned a little bit about this. And um, to my understanding, how uh, Dr. Upledger was, got curious about this was when he was in brain surgery and working with right. the cranium. Right. And seeing that the, that the, the brainstem had its own, this pulse. Yes. And right. And a little bit, maybe the, the rudimentary of 
cranial sacral is kind of that classic hold the cranium, hold the sacrum and feel into the flow, the vibrations. Yeah. Core length, yeah, yeah. And I mean, in a way, I think that kind of speaks to bridges what you kind of are talking about that the nervous system is way more than an electrical absolutely and the polyvagal theory is great um it's a it helps to explain um it helps to explain the nervous the autonomic nervous system um um in uh in humans let's see how do i just say this um it's great because we used to, and I've taught that that the nervous system is um, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, okay, which is pretty standard, right? But what we've done, and that's can be more of the reptilian brain, but it's still present in in humans. But we've added on to this the social engagement system or the polyvagal, which all, which is giving us information about safety based on uh, gestures, facial expressions all of that kind of thing. Okay. So it's valuable. One of the things that the polyvagal theory um, is really valuable for us is in, used in the somatic experiencing is to bring people to the present through experience. Okay. When you are, when you're present, uh, like I'll ask, I'll ask uh, students sometimes, how do you know you're present? Well, let's see. I feel I feel my whole body. I feel calm. I feel slow. Um, whatever. There's a bunch of different kinds of words. Okay. And then the next question is, how did you get there? Okay. How did you become present? Okay. For that to, to emerge. All of us have experienced a state of presence, probably in doing our work. Okay. As, as Rolfers or whatever we're doing in, in the healing. And we and when we're present, then something. Whoa! How did that happen? Okay. So then there's a tendency to want to go back and and try to make that happen. Okay. Well, it happened because I was present. If I try to make it happen, then I'm having an intention and a direction instead of just listening and seeing what the system or the body wants to tell me. Okay. So when we when I become present in my own sensations then that then i'm not dragging stories from the past into the present and then projecting those into the future based upon what i see or associations the, do you, do you do you have another question about how do you actually know you're present what's it? yes how do you know you're present and so um yes how do you know you're present and then from that would be what's your experience of that because but i how do you actually how do you actually know that you're that what you know is of you being present? If that makes sense, it does make sense. Yes. And so when I ask that question, um, almost everybody answers, "Oh, I've been present before," and it's it's a very similar kind of response of different words that are um, not thinking. Um, I'm feeling a place of grounded. I'm feeling my whole body. I'm feeling around me. I feel more. Uh, percept, uh, uh, I perceive more of different things like that. Um, so um, that's a good. How do you know you're present? Um, because part of it, when I know when I'm it, present, yeah. I know when I'm present. My brain, my my rational, my brain, my associated brain, my uh, Jeff Maitland calls it the pre-reflective brain or thinking is parked. It's it's behind me, and all I'm feeling is my is myself and my client in the field that I'm with, okay? 
So presence comes to what's my sensation right now, which then then tends to um, disconnect us the the uh, uh, influence from the past that influences everything we do. Okay, the way we think, and can I put that in the background and just listen and find out what is my client's body telling me? Okay, we can use our rolfing um, as a way to get an assessment, like structural and functional movement. And rolfing has been hugely important for us to yeah, look at sure. structural integrity. Um, movement, how does that integrity move through space and what we see is grace from that and flow of movement. Okay. But then what, it, so if we, so that's normal, we, we look at what's normal, like, oh, we have this structural, um, this support and there's depth and there's uh, space, uh, uh, um, balanced spaciousness. Okay. Um, how that moves through space brings in our, our structural work. But so that's our normal. That's our ideal. But what I'm seeing is this and this guy's leg is looks like it's tied up in his diaphragm. OK, so then so that's a rolfing assessment. But what do I do when I put it when he lays down? OK, so rolfing will teach us to go, oh, you're going to do go through the series or you're going to do a third third hour line. You're going to work with the fourth hour to get his leg to drop out of his pelvis or whatever those things are. OK. And that's and that's obviously been successful because we're still in business. The Ralph Institute is the Ralph Institute is still in business. Sometimes I wonder, given the stories I hear from people <laughs> who come in and what they've experienced, you know. Um, so, but then, what do we do? What do I do when I put my hands on? Okay, so I have this visual assessment that's um, that's a kind of um, that that is is based on anatomy. And structure I've learned from the model, but does that does the body match what I'm seeing? Okay, am I feeling a shortness in this leg up to the up in the to the diaphragm? When I sit at the feet and I just listen, and the fluid body starts to tell me, well, one of the reasons it's pulled up into the diaphragm is because he didn't tell you they had a broken leg. Oh, I can feel this break in this leg. And oh, did you ever hurt your leg? Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I broke my tibia. Ah, there we go. So this bone has a twist in it, and he's still holding himself up from his foot up into his diaphragm. That's kind of a rolfing way of thinking about it. But what do I do with that? I listen, and the body reorganizes itself because wholeness doesn't like to have dis dis disorganized pieces in it. It's it's a it's a whole so, pieces ought to fit in. So I have a question, which is oh, lost you. Perfect for now. Which. Okay, we so lost, time. We, lost, uh, we didn't hear yeah. you. Am I back? Yeah, yeah you're, you're back, back now. Yeah, sorry, this keeps dropping in and out. My question is, and this ties in perfect with what I was hoping to uh, to ask you, so I'm glad I waited. Which is, um, are there times like do you only do theoretically listening, or do you also sometimes still drop an elbow and share and slide and and do 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 deeper work or more physical work? Um, you know, is there a time? Is there a time when that is either more beneficial or just quicker, and, and you kind of mix and match? Or what's your sort of take with that? No, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> so, no, no to what? Yeah, let's see. I think I'd say first, uh, doing doing this uh, doing this less structural work is probably faster. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's the first thing, because when you 
when you put your hands on the body and you, I use my, I, I, I use my hands to, to, to see where things are dense, tight, whatever. Um, and once I do that and I find I, I can move my hands in the direction of ease and I find that place where everything sort of softens a little bit and I just wait, the body all of a sudden, I don't know what it's like. It's like, it's like it stretches and it just goes, oh, and sighs. I don't know if you work on bodies that talk to you, but they do sometimes. Mine do. <laughs> Talking <laughs> and, about weird, right? <laughs> and there's that sigh. And, and maybe if you say to your client, wow, that was an interesting thing. They said, yeah, my leg feels like it's twice as long or whatever. Uh, oh, I have this sensation that feels like there's a wind blowing down my leg. You know, they, they say these things. It can be like so quick sometimes. Yeah. But I'd also have to say that I don't know what Thomas's answer is. I think I know his answer. But I, I still have a number of times where the client I'm working with, um, I will I will move. I will decide and. I will figure out what I want, what's going to happen next, what I want to do. I will put my hands in the area that seems like it's in trouble. And then I'll find ease and wait. So how do you describe that? Is that biodynamic? Do I do that because I see with my hands more than my eyes? I don't know. But if, if you can not throw away the skills you know, and bring on these other ways of being and presence, I think, I know I'm present because there is nothing else in my awareness except either the melting of my hands and my clients into each other or just the, the stillness of the moment. That's how I know I'm present. Yeah. So there's another answer to, to that. Yeah. But but in in just bringing myself to the area that I'm, you know, that seems to be what's in need and, and waiting, the body just changes. And sometimes there's a little nudge here and there, you know, to say, hmm, what direction is the ease right now? Oh, okay, let's go over here. But yeah. so in that way, it's not strictly biodynamic because yeah. I'd be sitting there and just, I would be, I wouldn't. I wouldn't nudge things if I was doing strict biodynamics. Yeah. So, um, um, I wrote an article in the last ten years ago. It's called "Bones to Fluids," and what it's what it is about is the um, the um, the I'll say palpatory odyssey of Dr. Sutherland over fifty years, learning from. Uh, these different kinds of techniques, which were um, indirect, and I'll, I'll talk about those in a second. Um, and um, so he went through this progression from from direct to listening to listening and developing just different techniques over a period of 50 years, right? So when we learned biodynamics, we were started as rolfers, and then we went way to the 50th year that he was already talking about, right? And there's this whole place in the middle that that um, the osteopaths worked with um, that would involve a little more direct, a little more direct 
um, interaction. Okay, they call it balanced membranous tension or balanced fluid tension. Um, and the idea is that um, once you start transitioning into the fluid aspect of the body, you can't bring those touch skills with you and have any have any results. Okay, the biodynamic point of view about presence, you can bring and apply to anything you're doing, any technique, any kind of hands-on, any, any kind of hands-on approach. Okay, so you can bring the principles of biodynamics into working more from a tissue perspective. So Gail mentioned uh, uh, frequently finding ease. Okay, well, a, 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 normal mus a, a normal muscle that's at rest should feel like a water balloon. Okay, because it's not being its function of contraction is not being called upon. So it goes, it has a different kind of form. Function determines form in the biodynamic perspective. Okay, so so it's a, an assessment would be to, oh, where are the muscles that feel like water balloons and where don't they feel like water balloons? Exactly. Okay, so. I can take that information that I used in assessment before the session and somebody lays down and then I can start to use my hands. Where's the water balloons and where aren't the water balloons? Oh, there's a stripe right through here that doesn't feel very water balloony. Okay. So I can put my hands there and then I do little subtle movements until I find the ease. And then ease ends, ends up being there's more fluid that comes in. There's more space that's taken up. Um, and, uh, and it spreads and yeah, and, and tends to spread. So we're always looking for ease, always looking for ease. Where we, where we learned as Rolfers and I taught for quite a while is we engage, oh, here's this restriction and now we're going to push our way through it. Okay. And, um, we can feel the restriction, but then come and move the, feel the tissue as, as a whole between your hands and you'll find this, you do this little subtle movement and you'll find this place where there's this little, starts to expand a little bit. And we've all felt this as rolfers. That's what the change is, right? And we feel, it feels like it spreads and gets more gushy. Is, is that true? Yeah. So Absolutely. We, yep. Yeah. Yep. So if I look for the gushiness <laughs> and that will spread then what it does is it spreads and it makes the parts that aren't gushy, gushy. Okay. Really scientific here. Yeah, so that's the scientific term, the gushy. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to re say this back in a different way. And please tell me if I'm hearing it correctly, which is, I mean, the question I was going to lead into, I think you just said it, which is my question was thinking of how do you do a 10 series more or less from, from a, a, a biodynamic. And I think you just answered it in that you are, You'll work the territory or the of the of each hour from a gushy standpoint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's there you, pretty good. There you go. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. We want <laughs> well, we want to have coherent gushiness <laughs> through the whole body. Well, well, also, I think when you were describing the balloons and when you're describing the point where maybe not finding as the buoyancy. And then when you work with that and more fluid comes, what comes in again, I know this is a, a, a buzzword, but it is what it is, of biotensegrity, that 
There was an area that was held for whatever reasons, but it was losing its ability to have mobility or motility, depending if we're talking about organs or whatnot, that you brought on this ease that then the body then can be in its more um, ability to expand and come together, you know, the rolfing community, what would we call that? Um, Resilience, ability. Palantonicity. Palantonicity, yeah. Palantonicity just means space. Right, but promoting more more space. Exactly. What happened? Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, and I I think with rolfing, yes, it's had this ability that's, that's kind of known for its heavy touch, and I feel like I don't know. With having this conversation, I'm kind of being drawn to particular bodies of work evolve or become higher in demand, kind of of what is the need of our the, the society a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. Yes. Definitely. There's so, you know, especially having these conversations, you know, with people who've trained with Ida there was this need to kind of lean into the tissue to, to wake up to be like, you have a body and feel it. And now we're in that, that, you know, that was a totally different time. But I think with, especially with all the technology, how we, how the world has become more modernized and, and who knows how how things are going to be after COVID and, you know, we've all gotten accustomed to Zoom life and communicating through the screen and everything like that, that there's going to be a little bit more uh, desire of, of the listening and not so much input because we got, we have it coming at us constantly to kind of, you know, adjust to, to what was taken away from us of, you know, for, for the majority of the world, human touch and connection and closeness of even if you get that that good vibe of being close to that familiar face at the coffee shop that you're not going to anymore yeah exactly yeah well there's there's also the um you know uh within that whole idea there's there's also that um let's see sorry i may have just lost my spot in my brain um yeah. Um, while you're thinking of that, I can answer Andrew's question yeah, about how to do a ten series. Yeah. So now, when I look at a, when I think about, a, I have very, I have people come in and say, "Oh, I want, I want a ten series." I say, "Okay, that's fine." Um, I'll, uh, I think, okay, Rolfing ten series. I go, oh, you know, teaching at the first. I think more about what are the goals of Rolfing and what are the principles as opposed to. Um, I, in the first session, you do this. Second session, you do this. I mean, first session, the goal is to start to enhance the breathing. All right. Every session after that is is that's part of one of the goals also. And the territory is the upper body. Well, okay, enhancing breathing is is hugely important because it helps the autonomic nervous system. Okay. Um, so when I uh, um, in the ten series, the classical ten series, the first session is super. The first three sessions are superficial superficial upper body um lower body um the legs we would call deep superficial and then the third session was the middle okay but it was all superficial work well when i work the way i do now 
um, I may feel some strain in the surface and I will, instead of pushing through that, I back out even more. Okay. And as it starts to change, I might notice that, oh my gosh, these lungs are stuck to the ribs. Oh, does that mean I need to limit my inter, inter uh, my interaction with the first in the first session because it's supposed to be surface? No, my, this is where it's leading me. And this tension on the surface is because of pneumonia that was in the lungs and the lungs are stuck to the ribs and they're not able to move as well. That, that kind of thing. Okay. So this kind of work can lead you deep without pushing. And so then it's hard to stick to the classical series because it's a surface session, but the real goal is to improve the breathing. Supportism is is really is another uh, principle I use from the, that has served really well in, in rolfing. My experience is I bet seventy or seventy five percent of the people that come into my office have low back pain and they haven't fallen off a ladder or something like that. It's because of leg issues and the compensations in the pelvis. I have seen so many times. I saw this last week where you could see side bend rotations, a torsion in the pelvis. And you can see they had this had a leg that was broken as a kid, and I work with the leg, and they stand up, and the torsion in the pelvis and the low back side bend uh, rotations have pretty much normalized. Okay, now that's not because I have magic hands, because that's what the body wants to do. <laughs> okay, and we have to become present to be able to listen to its message about how to do that, instead of imposing what we've learned from whatever different bodies. I mean, I, we learned 35 years ago, you know, when I, when I was learning that there was psychological, if something came up emotionally, they just said, shit happens, deal with it. That's what they told us. That's what they told us as practitioners. <laughs> okay. Things have changed. Right. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking to that change is that there has been more support of empowering the clients and knowing that yes. they're yeah. that they their body wants to orient to health yeah. and that we that there's um whether it's been given more permission or we've the holistic practitioner world has just gotten put into check that yeah there aren't magic hands so we're not like have these special powers is that we have trained in a way that is nudging or offering or yes. giving space so the client can lay there find their presence and find their their own way to orient to health exactly yes, yes. exactly because there's so much trauma and trauma happens when we're at, we don't have resources mm -hmm. and, and uh too much too fast right so um, helping people to have choice helps to reestablish the autonomic nervous system and parasympathetic dom more parasympathetic, do parasympathetic dominance, which helps to reestablish boundaries about oh uh, um, oh there's he's not forcing me I'm a we're we are participating in this together yeah it's a huge nonverbal con conversation that creates safety once there's safety the autonomic nervous the parasympathetics can become more more um, dominant. Uh, dominant and then healing happens because that's the purpose of para parasympathetics One yeah i, I want to actually talk about the parasympathetic a bit in the same the safety but i, I have a quick uh, 
something you said uh, really affected me in a positive way. And I want to rephrase it back to see if I'm hearing it, how you said it, and maybe a little more, which was that going deep uh, for a superficial session um, and having it be that even though it's not part of the technical territory and you're going deep and it's superficial, by going deep, you're affecting the superficial and therefore the deep actually is superficial. Yes, that was great. Yeah, because remember this: if if we if you um, if you think about the fluid body model, um, uh, have you seen the the video that uh, uh, Gwimberto yeah strolling yeah. under the skin? Yeah. Okay. So the solid body, all the anatomy and all this stuff, is embedded and enmeshed and immersed in fluids. It's from, from the interstitial fluids to where, I mean, rolfers were trying to get um, these, these gliding motions to happen so that the things aren't stuck together. So we have all these bags and we have tubes. Um, we have different shape kinds of bags that everything solid body fits within. And muscles are tubes. That, and the tubes actually form before the solid body. The bones in the cranium form between two, the, the uh, mesenchyme is one layer. The mesenchyme splits and bones form in between that. Okay, so the fluids are present before the pieces and relating to the fluids then can take us to the depth of bones because they are enmeshed in, in, in that. So if there's a fluid body, um, it's like um, Gail has, had a good metaphor about the pond. Oh, the um, pond. Yeah, yeah. Say that. Uh, yeah, that if you have, if you're, if you're by a still pond and you drop a stone in the water, there's going to be ripples that, that move along the surface of that pond until they hit the shore. However, if you have a big rock in the middle of the, of the, the pond that, that's above the surface, if you drop the stone in the water, those ripples are going to go out. But when they get to that stone, their pattern is going to be disrupted. And yeah. there's a way that you can think of that stone as being the injury or the, the you know, the, 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 the stone is the thing that then disturbs the, the balance and the equanimity of the, of the system. Yeah. And if you were, that's, if, that's beautiful. Yeah. And if, if the pond was a living being, mm -hmm. a body, we have all these fascial connections. Okay. Fascia is a seamless whole. We actually don't have divisions in the fascia. <laughs> okay. Now, Gil Headley and other people, anatomists are going to disagree with that because we can dissect out fascia, but you can actually dissect out anything you want and explain it that way, which is a whole other conversation. But if, <laughs> if, uh, if, you, if, if, the, uh, if the pond were a living body and your hands were around the edge of the pond, those ripples going out, you could feel that rock in the stream. Exactly. Okay. Um, and by interacting with the surface, you can affect the rock over there across the stream because uh, in a living body, that rock would want to become part of the whole again, would want to become part of the flow, part of the rhythm, instead of disconnected from that and become more whole and back to the wholeness of the original uh, design. So, so it's, uh, 
um, actually to, to untwist bones, like the tibia, the tibia takes, I mean, we live in a town where there are a lot of people who throw themselves off their mountain bikes and, and slam on the mountain. And so we have lots of leg injuries and, and things like that. Um, and you can, you can feel a bone, bones get tight. Bones are another form of fascia. The fascia forms first, the fluids, and then the bones form out of that. And they're actually the characteristics of fascia, the elasticity, strength. Uh, I can't remember the other, other words I'm looking for right now. But bones are another form of fascia. So we can approach them the same way. And you put your fingers on the, t- on the tibia very lightly and listen, and it starts to twist. It starts to turn. It might get longer. It might do this. It might do that. And sometimes you feel, oh, there it connects through, and all of a sudden you just feel this fluid feel it move out through the bone, okay? Um, so you can work deeply from the surface because the fluids are, it's a seamless hole that we can interact with and connect with all the way through the body. And that's a real key part of, of biodynamics is the fluids. And the, and the ability to have your contacts so you don't intrude on the fluids, you partner you connect yeah. with them you work with them you you give them the credit the the credit they deserve for being the healing aspect of the system so yeah and when when, when we were sort of talking about the, the nervous system we just kind of hopped into it um i'd love to kind of hear your um going along with this because uh, when i work with people from a more biodynamic perspective i i what i say is i'm feeling the the nervous system now whether or not what, what exactly i'm feeling is you know up for speculation i believe that nervous system has a pattern that travels through the whether it's the fascia or the fluid that has a has a tone has a has a sense to it can you speak yes. about that a bit yeah, yeah. um I was saying that that sort of talks about what i couldn't remember i was going to say about the nervous system okay and so i'll just i'll just say that that um that part of the part of the quality of touch and the ability to have a broad range of touch is that right now, particularly after last year, but for quite a long time, there's so much activity everywhere. There's so much going on everywhere, no matter where you look, even us in our quiet house, we, we look at this computer screen and things flash and move and all of that it's it is there's a tremendous load on the nervous system because there's there's not much ease or peacefulness around us there's flashing signs and fast cars and all of that stuff so there's a there's a difference of putting your hands the nervous system will receive information by putting your hands on in a considerate and relatively gentle way as though you want to you know introduce yourself to it as opposed to using a contact where I know what I need to do I need to make that knee move more so I'm going to press on it like this so that that will make it do this action that I want so that this knee will get better and the the nervous system is may have to protect itself from that pressure or that strength or even that intention or the you know your 
uh, however, if if you can have part of your work at least, which is a gentle contact, then you can move into the system in a way that it can communicate with you as opposed to having to try to get out of your way because you're dangerous, just like yeah. the rest of the crazy world that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, Andrew, the, I, I can feel a, an autonomic um, um, over, overload or a dominance because right. the, the rhythms, the rhythms and the fluids are faster and they're disorganized more. So if I'm sitting at somebody's feet, like most, a lot of times I'll start sitting at somebody's feet for grounding and just to say, okay, here we are. And this is what we're doing. Um, if I'm feeling one is there's no rhythm, there's nothing showing up fluid wise, then I know that we need to get some flow through here. We need to get some fluids. Um, um, we need, we need to get, get the life force in a sense to re-inhabit this. I mean, it's there because it's not gangrenous or anything like that. It's there, but it's not able to express itself. Okay, so for me, the rhythms are faster and more disorganized. They might be right. kind of swirly, okay, and that swirly, um, um, and, and it'll be a faster rhythm, like the, the cranial rhythmic impulse that uh, was the first, uh, usually the class that people take, it's about the, um, the uh, cranial rhythmic impulse of six to 14 cycles per minute, or, you know, it varies, and just the fact that it varies, right. and it's and it's a faster rhythm shows that the autonomic nervous system is dominant. The slower the rhythms that show up, the more this, this, this uh, sympathetics settle to the background and the parasympathetic sympathetics come up and become more in the foreground because, um, which will then show a more coherent, more rhythmical and slower rhythms. So, I know I have some some students who say they feel a buzz in the system. I don't I don't feel that. I feel the fluid rhythms. Um, other people are just how they don't know how they sense it, but they just know that there's something going on in the nervous system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. So and trusting those trusting those intuitions is really valuable. Perceptions. Perceptions. Yeah. Trusting those perceptions is hugely valuable because. In a lot of trainings in the Rolf Institute, this is one I can speak of because I've been so involved in it, people that have those kinds of perceptions are often not acknowledged and are talked into talking about things differently. Um, we've, we've had students in, in uh, well, all, a lot of our classes who feel finally they've landed home because they can talk about energy and they can talk about the way they work and, and talk about what they see but don't have to talk about specific muscles and da, 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 that kind of thing because they don't see or perceive or think that way and they can still be absolutely great practitioners so that's yeah, how and i experience the nervous system and how mm -hmm. and how what i want to do is to help to calm it by seeing if i can slow down myself then right. their system is going to want to synchronize to a healthier more organized rhythm and pattern and field yeah, yeah. and that i mean that has that ties really great into what we were talking about before we started recording, where I was saying how I I'm working with a friend who was in a very severe traumatic near death experience. Yes. And, you know, and I'd reached out to Carol Agnesians to get some ideas because he wanted a 10 series. And I, I actually decided I'm, I'm gifting him a 10 series because I'm using the, the experience for myself as self-learning on how to approach it from a different angle. Beautiful. Um, 
but but the you know after the first session he was so angry because i mean because a uh, sympathetic discharge coming out b perception of what he thought was supposed to be a session exactly. and 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 a day or two later we had a talk and he was he could he just shifted he said oh yeah i i felt different um yeah and Beautiful. you know it was it, it was really um it's been really it's been it's been a gift for both of us in yeah. a lot of ways uh, yeah somebody's uh, that uh, had, uh, yeah somebody no, just, had that kind of yeah. trauma um you know they're already in a place of survive uh, i'm not I'm, maybe survival is too strong a word but they were he was in a state of survival like getting stabbed in the neck i'd say well it's going to put me in a survival state right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, when we're in a state of survival that means we don't have resources right yeah and trauma can if we don't have resources we're like more likely to be traumatized right so yeah. what you're what you're talking about is helping the body to remind helping to remind the body that this that you you have resources and these resources are slower rhythms, flows, and um, slower rhythms, flows, and more spaciousness and more ease. Okay. And to, to then, if somebody doesn't have resources and you come in and you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push this body in a different direction. It's already going, hey, dude, I'm already having a problem. Don't you dare. Like if I'm, if I'm upset, no resources, somebody comes and pokes me in the chest with their finger. I'm not going to want to, oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to like want to resist and fight back. Yeah? yeah. 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 That was part of my thought was like, you've been attacked and now I'm dropping deep. And in some ways can be a sense of attack on the body, which instead of allowing for change allows for resistance. Yeah, exactly. And the body knows the, the information is in the fluids and in the, what, what, um, what Dr. Sutherland called the, the breath of life and potency, that's all present in us. And, and it's actually, it's taking that trauma and centering it in a place that didn't destroy the whole being, kind of compresses it. So we feel these compressions in these tight places. That's the health of, this, of the system, the wholeness that's isolating that as much as we can into a place that didn't destroy the whole system. And so the whole system can organ can still function as best it can, given that, given that insult. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's perfect. You know. And I I work with kids. Um, I was working with a kid that's really bad cerebral palsy. His mom was in a car wreck that um, broke shattered her pelvis when he two weeks before his delivery, and he actually had skull fractures. And his nervous system, he was all twisted and. And, pull, and his legs were twisted and actually a right angle. And, you know, what am I going to do with this? Well, his nervous system literally just kind of pulled everything in and pulled the suck the limbs into the, into the core. You know, you have, you, you can't rolf that. That's an extreme example of, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And after 10 or 12 sessions, he was able to lay in a in spread eagle position his his uh, legs were way straighter and his arms were way straighter and he could lay there calmly before he was just well, all over well, the place. that's nervous system work and that's not magic it's just what the system is able to do but there's there's something you said there which uh, and I, I we do need to wrap up soon because i know it's late where you are and early where i am but you said you can't rolf you can't rolf that and i think that becomes into a sense of well what is rolfing Exactly. What in, and and if you are using rolfing from a biodynamic standpoint or other standpoint, is that not rolfing? 
So it's not because this is what I, I, I get people who say I want rolfing and I say, well, I'm offering you that just from a different perspective, a different framework, a different than what you perceive it as. Well, the, the last faculty meeting I was at was a Zoom meeting a couple of weeks ago. I was on teaching touch and we're trying to standardize that curriculum. By the way, I got in trouble for teaching the way I do. I did, Nikki. So the way I have been. Um, wow. Yeah, which is fine with me. I don't mind stirring up the pot a little bit. But um, one of the things that came out of that meeting was that rolfing is vectorized touch. And um, um, one of the senior faculty um, said um, that, God damn it, when I was rough 40 years ago, my shoe size grew three sizes and I, my head size, whatever. And they worked me over. Uh, that's not his way. They were very, very aggressive. We cannot abandon that in our work. We have to have that as, as rolfing. So from my perspective, they just defined rolfing as vectorized touch. And it, rolf, if you're rolfing, technically, you're not doing the kind of work we're talking about, even though the goals are showing up. <laughs> Even though the goals that we would think of as Rolfers about function and structure, structural integrity and all that kind of stuff. So um, I personally think the Rolf Institute is another changing point where, uh, like we did 30 years ago, uh, split up to the guild where there's, there's information available that can advance our work. And it's um, how do you integrate a whole new way of thinking and touching into an institution that has talks about their work the way they do they have for 50 years yeah unfortunately i think the rolf institute is gonna they're just they're in this vicious cycle of having to define the work by the touch which is unfortunate because i think and you alluded to that a little bit is the way i understood my training through it out, all of it, through up until my advanced training, it's about the principles. Yes. It's how you look. Yes, the principle, It's the 10 series is great for a learning right. map that I want to, as a eager student and want to soon to be therapist or practitioner, is this is a great roadmap of how to create change. And I think that was the beauty that Absolutely. what I overall crafted was it it's a it makes sense map of how to achieve structural goals absolutely but what always in my mind and that's what i i it was always mind-boggling when i would meet people because somewhere in the training clearly i didn't attach to that rule was that you're only supposed to do the 10 series before in, until you do your advanced training and then you could do non-formalistic sessions and to me from a marketing point of view it's like I don't know how to sell that. I just need to get them in my office and we'll get to work. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, um, but I was always, cause people, yeah, I didn't have people are like, Oh, I'm here to sign up for a 10 series. They're like, I have this Aiken pain. I hear Rolfing works. And so I always held the principles yes. in my mind as I was creating my non-formalistic sessions, which my inability to market actually worked in my advantage because I would get all these sessions in and then they're like, Oh, I'm going to do a 10 series. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> I have like a 15th session on you. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And somebody, yeah, so, 
uh, when somebody comes in and wants to do a 10 series, I'm really glad because they're committed to doing 10 sessions. And that gives me a whole bunch of time to experiment and try new things. And accomplish the goals. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never sat on one of the um, meetings and... Um, so, but with the, always the feedback that I get, it feels like sometimes these meetings often struggle finding resolution and it's this ongoing historical yeah. stubbornness yeah, exactly. of we need to hold on to this identity of touch, which, you know, my experience in the classroom, Thomas, you've had tons of experience in the classroom, the touch, the depth. And I, I'm slightly biased. I mean, I, I like a, a lean in. I like to receive it. Sometimes oh, I like yeah. to give it. Yeah. But so, but that doesn't define the practitioner. Like mm -hmm. the, the ability to listen, the ability to be present, the ability to be, to hold the spectrum of touch of, you know, especially if we're thinking of more of a, a the Rolfing school, is to be able to dance in that realm yes is how you cultivate i think create really great practitioners in structural integration absolutely because you you know and i think that's what's wonderful about i'm so grateful that i landed in the world of structural integration because I, you know i you know i am at the rolf institute affiliated with the rolf institute is what i it's the only school i really knew about um being a boulder kid anyways <laughs> so um but still, I mean, even in my my work that I do with movement, personal training, I mean, yeah. very traditional personal training, I'm always like, well, these are the goals. This is what they want to do. But do they have support? Do they have adaptability? Perfect. Yeah. How do I, you know, how am I going to create closure within this periodization training cycle that you're doing? Absolutely. And okay. I think those that, I mean, that's what to me is what defines Rolfing. Yeah. And okay. what's the beauty, the hallmark of the Roth Institute, not let's, you know, lean into the tissue really heavy. Yeah. I mean, I might, if somebody wants to do 10 series, I might do two lower, I might do two, two leg sessions before I get to the upper body, or I might do, a, you know, 50 minutes of leg sessions and then go up and get adaptability um, um, well, up in the upper body. One of the things I'd love to be able to talk about a little bit is speaking of marketing is our, our what the classes we teach. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. So, so, so we have. I'm, I'm just listening to you. Oh, I thought you were tapping me. Uh, I no. thought she was kicking me in the leg for some other I, reason. I really wasn't doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating. You're, you're used to that and you always deserve it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's this guy? I don't know. Where did he come from? <laughs> anyway, um, so we have, we have something we call explorations and wholeness. And what it is, it's a um, we're we're introducing biodynamics in a way that mimics the per, uh, the palpatory uh, um, progression that um, Dr. Sutherland went through to develop cranial work. So he started with bones, um, and then they they found out that bones actually are being moved by fluids. So we learned about fluids and learned about uh, looking at fashion a different way, really fluidic, and then ended up doing uh, biodynamics, which would maybe be more energetic. So 
one what we found when we first started um, uh, bringing our, our excuse me our cranial training and biodynamics into our welfare practices well like how am I going to do this let's see I'm you know it doesn't fit in this session how am I going to pull this off you know um, do I have am I it's too risky to just sit because they're not going to pay me. They're thinking they're not getting their money's worth. You know, the, 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 the bringing it into your practice is the hard part. So what we do is we bring in these principles. We practice presence and we start talking about the fluid body, but we start with the legs and we learn about how to get the interosseous membrane to be more hydrated. For, we're using this approach. How do we organize the bones and the foot and get the talus and, and, uh, to be more underneath the tibia? How do we ease with, how do we work with the, what we, the uh, IT band and the different, all these different tubes and bags that are in the legs so we can get better support and enhance walking? So we bring, so then Pete, a rolfer, for example, could then say, well, I have a second session. I'm going to do, I'm going to bring in some of this stuff that I learned in the explorations and wholeness. So we're building the skills of presence slowly and integrating them in slowly into your practice, not abandoning anything you've we've ever done, you've ever done, but bringing these in slowly. And in the process, we're developing the skills of presence, sensitivity, perception, and um, and then we build on those. The next session, we'll work with the upper body, with the arms and the ribs and breath. Uh, then we'll work with biomechanics of the spine, and then we're leading to doing we're leading into doing cranial work later on when we have the skills that which we can then work with the cranium in a way that's safe and, and, um, um, and this cranium is very sensitive and you can shut people's nervous systems down really fast. If they've had a head injury and you're too close to their head, you know? Wow. That sounds like such a fun and lovely class. Yeah, so, they are. Yeah. They're fabulous. So yeah. students like us. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Abandon what you've done, but let's broaden the, the tools and think about it differently and put anatomy in the background. And now let's feel for flows, fluids. Oh, it's not flowing at the knee. Well, what happens? We'll show how to reorganize the knee, finding midlines, the core of the legs, finding midlines through the knees where the tibia cannot be underneath the femur well and doing exactly what we've been talking about being present and finding the ease those are the two basic things that we teach and then we take those principles and apply them throughout the body and practice and practice and practice and then we get to the cranium where then your skills and your touch your touch skills are more way more refined to deal with a very sensitive very sensitive nervous system so we build those skills up and then you can practice you can build your practice and people will pay you um, you know, um, I tell students to take, just give somebody an extra 15 minutes and sit at their feet for 10. Okay. And tell them I'm learning something new and it's going to feel really different because then, um, because then you can, you don't have to worry about whether they're going to pay you because you didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you're slowly educating the, the client. Yes. The power of the ability of all different touches. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I have a funny story just to kind of support what you're doing is, you know, much of my career living in New York City at all, all types of people I worked with. Right. And some were some very corporate, you know, yeah. type A personalities and 
you know, and their, their body needed some stretching and, you know, there's only so much I could do at the, like the last 10 minutes of sure. the stretch <laughs> session. And, you know, well, what do you think about yoga? I don't do yoga. I'm not doing that. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. and then, so I was like, all right, but, I mean, again, I need, I need their body to have a little bit more ease for, to like appropriately, you know, assign them some lifting moves. And so, and I, you know, I like to do yoga and do classes and stuff. And so I would put them in a, like, just be like, all right, put, stretch your legs here, put your arm here, tilt your body this way. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this feels so good. This what time. is this? <laughs> and they're like, ah, you just did yoga. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Exactly. But yeah. so where would, where would they find you? If um, we have some listeners that love this, the sound of this class, they go to your website. Um, we, uh, go to listeninghandsseminars.com. So okay. our, our, our intention is to, is to provide um, a venue for people who are uh, wanting to, um, uh, and c- offer classes in listening hands like Carol, for example, okay, or other biodynamic practitioners or somebody else. We have a great facility here that we can use and look oh, at the sure. Continental Divide near the Yamper River. So you're hosting them in Steamboat. Yeah, and we're, we're also teaching in Europe, yeah. Okay. Um, so listeninghandsseminars.com. Uh, cool. uh, we'll put a link in the description as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Good. And I'm curious, is there, um, are you offering any kind of, uh, let's how do you, any kind of COVID friendly seminars? Like, are you doing any Zoom things or is this um, all going to be when we feel comfortable touching again? We aren't. Um, we've thought about it and um, returning phone calls is difficult. <laughs> 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 what what you mean what i didn't have to call you change you down he right. calls me three times no um, we thought about it we did we did teach a cranial class uh, we have a, a group of students we've been working with for five years here we taught it we did a cranial class last uh, november and we did it was covid compliant at that time and we're all we all have small pods and we know we're all safe we're all safe um, probably not doing anything until we can actually get together. But it's the thought, it's what we ought to do is pro- produce stuff that supports our current students instead of offering something new because they're chomping at the bit to to get more information. And it's been a year since they, like the folks in Europe, it's been a year since they've had a class and they actually longer because it's been a year right oh, now right, from when we were there. Yeah, Thanks so for happened. taking the bait. i think you should i think that just it keeps um i think what you have to offer is great and i would love for people to just start to dabble in it because i know you know we're we're still a little ways from people traveling and be able to do workshops or feel comfortable in that kind of space yeah okay and i am an advocate of you know use this opportunity Thank you. To um, just help people with like, what should, what books should they be learning? What YouTube videos, what other information that's already out there that, or, or you could even, you know, create it yourself of, um, (laughs) or or call us and we can have more, more conversations around something specific. Wow. Well, I encourage you. Yeah. Thank you for the encouragement. Yeah. yeah, Because I've just, I've seen this, um, 
just throughout the community of like, there's been either people have gotten really energetic and have figured out how to do it online. I've been blessed to have Andrew start this podcast and I get to co-host and still be in the environment. But there's a lot of people who's, you know, they're, they've just kind of felt defeated and Okay. Have, nothing's go- going on for them and it's just there's just there's too much great information about this oh, okay. and I think even with what you're saying just the act of someone learning how to like be be like oh yeah presence oh it isn't just about like standing still and trying to be blank in my mind it could be like mm-hmm. ooh, I can feel the fluid in my body I can feel my you know as I move what's what's balloony like or what's you know, yeah, sure. Gail had a good word. Um, mushy. mushy. Gushy. 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 Yeah. Gushy. Uh, Thomas, if it's, if it's helpful, if it, if it's helpful as well, if it is something you're, you're interested in, uh, whether through this, this podcast network or otherwise, I'd be happy to, I've, I've gathered by your email response that tech isn't your, necessarily your best friend, <laughs> but, I, but I'd, I'd be happy to help set up, whether it's even just like an intro zoom call for, for, for some sort for wow, people cool. to because I I love this sort of work and I'm I'm oh lost you he's saying he really loves <laughs> he loves your work this is really helpful and can help a lot of people yeah uh, yeah we lost you the first sec there but yeah well, thank, and, and yeah, I'd be well, happy to that, that yeah that would be pretty interesting yeah so we can talk offline about what what would a Zoom call look like? Maybe it's just something that I help you guys organize, but you do your talking and I sit in the background mm-hmm. being like, um, well, maybe like, maybe she should well, get Gail's well, number. <laughs> she better yeah. respond. <laughs> yeah, communicate with Gail. There you go. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to give you the roof for that, this shit for the rest of my life. Well, I was going to say just that, uh, I mean, I have to, you guys have to get ready for bed and I have to get ready for work. I'm comfortable. I mean, I could sit and listen to you for for hours uh, i don't know if our listeners would want, want to listen to hours of talking um but um is there anything else you, you'd like to sort of share i appreciate i really appreciate this opportunity mm-hmm. and particularly yeah. i'm having worked with nikki and and seen how she works and been in class with her and had conversations um i appreciate the encouragement that both of you are um uh offering offering yeah um it's a huge topic, and we're, we say all the time to students, it's simple, but it isn't easy. <laughs> uh, the simplicity is being present, and the not easy part is having be willing to do that in your sessions and um, stay present. And stay present. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It's a simple concept, but it isn't easy. So anyway. You know, one other thing that I thought of uh, – as we're going through is that one thing to, to help. One thing that I think is important about what we're teaching is that the things that we're working with are natural laws. They're Mm. things that, that people who come to our classes know they've been experiencing, but they don't know what it is. And some of the words that we say, they go, Oh, I think they're talking about this thing that I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so just to, you know, just to bring in that awareness that the natural laws of how we human beings function and make it through the world 
that we as practitioners can work with and help them to be their most whole and well self, that's a thing that I think is really important yeah. about this work that we're teaching. Yeah. And, the, and just, I'm going to finish this. Hopefully they'll finish this. Um, the, what we're teaching. <laughs> Hours the, ago. <laughs> the, the, con, um, the conceptual and the principles are not new. Yes. Um, the, the Chinese have been talking about flows and fluids for thousands of years. Okay. So this is another way. And, and also uh, uh, shamanism, uh, walking in the woods, like we talked about earlier, when you could be lunch instead of having lunch. Um, you know, th those kinds of perceptual skills and presence have been talked about for through all kinds of uh, traditions, spiritual traditions, cultural traditions, and they come back to the same thing, those natural laws, and they're actually pretty simple, but they aren't easy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks, you guys. It's, thank you. No, th thank you. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, get you I'll get you an invoice sometime this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> before your next, um, before your next time. Yeah, for for those listening, it's for his bench, not for this time on this. Oh. <laughs> uh, and 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 I'll put a plug for that is that you make great benches, uh, oh, and I'll you. put a I'll put I'll put a link uh, out for uh, for that on on, on on this podcast as I well. I think yours so. was uh, close to number five hundred. I've made. Oh wow! Five years, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah in my office is the first one he ever made. Yeah. And it's still going great. When I was in Ralphing Chain thirty five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, That's okay. Great. All right. Well have a good evening there. And thank, thank you, you for Take everything. Care. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye. Thanks for listening to us at Touching to Presence. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. You can find out more about Thomas and Gail at listeninghandseminars.com and rolfingcenter.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you'd leave a positive review of the podcast and subscribe to it through the platform of your choice. When you do this, it really helps other people find us, and we greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to hearing back from you and seeing you on our next conversation at Touching Into Presence. Bye-bye.